search for the last week. I got it. You're going to hear the story anyway, so you might as well just
said, I don't get you on one condition. You provide my life for the next three years. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says it this way, starting in verse 17. Now I say, testify the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the lack of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. I won't hit you as long as you buy me on. They have become callous and given themselves up to every sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way that you learn in Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off of your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in your spiritual mind, just to position the old life versus the new life. The old life, seeing your vision, seeing over a tower of oppression in the hallway is weakened versus Jason standing in front of you, opening up God's word and talking about what he would have for us today. And you see right there that last line that, that I read. Is that, we, that, we, that we should put all of our old stuff which belongs to the former man of God and struggle to deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. If we're going to understand anything today, what we've got to understand is to this point under something that is this, is that gospel-centered friendships are a daily choice. Gospel-centered friendships are a daily choice. I don't know how to say it. The NIV writer put it this way. It says, he was taught as regarding the former way of God to put off your old stuff which is being corrupted with the deceitful desires and he made a new attitude of your mind. And to put on the new stuff created to be like that and to righteousness and holiness. Do we agree that relationships take work? They're hard, aren't they? You're going to do this over and over and over and over and over and over and over again in this series that relationships are hard. It doesn't matter what relationships you're looking at, whether it be your marriage relationship or a work relationship. Anybody got that, that employee at work is a man? Your last nerve? I will tell you who it is for me at my work. I'm just kidding, guys. Anybody got a teenage daughter? Woo, those things take some work, don't they? I got a 15 year old girl, I'm 47 right over there, and I got two kind of right behind her, and I'm giving me a run for my money. You know how relationships take work? Because they involve people. And you know what's cute about every single one of us? We're messed up. In fact, give me a second. Look at the person that's sitting next to you and say, you're messed up. <laughs> that was easy, wasn't it? That one was easy. Here's the hard one. Look at the person on the other side and say, I'm messed up. <laughs> Not so many options on that one, was there? Again, I can say it's like the other people in the back row. It's not about you. 
is not about you. Relationships aren't about you. Do you benefit from it? Absolutely, you benefit from a God and healthy relationship. And you need to hold on and you need to nurture those relationships as much as you possibly can because they speak life into you. But are there relationships in your life that you hold on to that you should get rid of? Absolutely. Today we're going to look a little bit at scripture. We're going to figure out what a godly friend looks like and a godly friend does. And you can begin to you can begin to put your relationships up against what the Bible says a godly friend does. And like, maybe this is speak life or does it not speak life? There's like people sitting in here or watching online that man, you're holding on to a relationship that you need to you're still one of a friendship that's not speaking life. Maybe you're in a friendship that you're the one not speaking life because it's all about you. Let's keep going. I, I gotta keep going. I'm getting tired out here. I haven't even started. I feel like I'm already behind. So let's just let's look, look at verse 25, everybody. Chapter 4, verse 25. Paul says this. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of us speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So, first and foremost, a godly friend is one who speaks the truth no matter what. That's the number one that I'm going to show you guys. You're writing that down. That's the first thing you need to write down is that a godly friend is one who speaks the truth no matter what. If you're under the age of 25, I want you to stop writing. I want you to stop looking. If you're on your phone, I want you to stop. You can't, you're not tricking me. I can see that you're on your phone. Put it down. I want you to look at me. If you're under the age of 25, I want you to look at me. If you go to school or you're on social media, I know that you've heard this phrase, my truth. And look at me and listen to me. And if you're over 25, listen to me because it's important for you. That saying is garbage. There's no such thing as your truth. You don't get to define truth. Truth is defined in one place and one place only. It's defined in the Father. It's written in His Word. It flows from Him to us. He defines truth, not you. It's written in His Holy Word. Don't get caught in the lie that you get to define truth for yourself. It's, that's, a, that's a garbage statement. It's a lie of the enemy. He wants you to believe it. Now listen, your understanding of the truth may change, but it doesn't make truth change. Uh, for example, like right, our understanding of gravity. Thousands of years ago, we didn't understand what it was. We began to understand what gravity was, and the truth of gravity became apparent to us. So now we can all say, right, if Pastor Dick can hold up a Bible with a piece of loose paper, it's going to fall on everybody in the room and go, what did you get to say to This morning too. Let's go. <laughs> we speak truth, no matter what. We value that, right? We value that in our marriage relationship. Nobody wants to stop the life to them. So I, I, so I, I walked a little bit away during the last year, and so clothes are a little bit different. And so there's just some way of writing dress, and it just doesn't feel right, right? You know what I'm talking about? The ladies are shaking their heads more than the guys are. But if I know that like, it doesn't fit right now, I don't get in it. And if I walk into the room and I go, hey, Becky, how does this outfit make me look? 
Paul writes thousands of years ago, don't go to that angry. You know, some scientists in 2016 did a study about what happens when you go to that angry. Do you guys want the results? All right, let's do it. Angry emotions tend to, they sound angry emotions, emotions and anger tend to linger longer at night. Because you can't distract yourself with work. When you take your anger and dead with you, it causes you to dwell on the situation and you have a tendency to make it bigger than it is because you're laying there about nothing distracting you and you're playing it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And when you go to sleep, angry, it changes the way that your mind categorizes that memory and it makes it harder to actually forgive the next day. So when you go to that angry, you're hardwired into your brain, you're solidifying it, and you're making it harder to say, I'm sorry. So, example. Let's say Jim, Jim and I get into an argument after church today. And I go home, and I watch the Cowboys lose another game, and it just goes from the back of And I say something, and Becky is a godly friend, and she speaks the truth in love, and says, Jason, you're in the wrong, and you should call and apologize, and I just choose not to do it. And I'm hardwiring, I'm saving to the hard drive those angry emotions. And the next time I see Jim, those emotions are solidified in my memory bank. And the first thing that comes to my mind is not, oh, there's my good friend Jim, is, I can't believe you said that to me. I'm so mad about that. Not only does it solidify how you store that memory, they found over the course of the study that people that go to that angry wake up on average ten times more nights than people that don't go to that angry. So going to that angry just it makes you have bad sleep. Now, I'm not saying if you have bad sleep, you're angry all the time, but there might be a correlation there. It makes it harder to fall asleep. Can be how you glorify God. 
the Westminster Shorter Catechism is a series of questions and answers that was designed to teach little kids truths about the Scripture. And the first question in the Westminster Shorter Catechism is this, what is the chief end of man? The answer is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. So do you realize that the purpose of your work is not for a paycheck, it's not to pay your mortgage, it's not to buy a nicer car or go on vacation? The purpose of your work is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever? If you're only glorifying God and enjoying Him on Sunday morning from 9.30 to 10.15 or 10.45 or keep preaching, you're missing the point. Not only are you missing the point, you're wasting your life. If you're not glorifying God in your work, you're wasting your life. So you accomplish something, yeah, absolutely you can accomplish something, but you're missing the point. The point of your work is not a paycheck, it's not a car, it's not a house, it's not any of those things. The point of your work is to give glory to God. When the object of your work is right, everything else falls into place. And the object of your work should be to glorify God and enjoy Him forever and nothing else. Verse 29, this might be the hard one, y'all. I know it's a hard one for me. Let no person talk come out of your mouth, but only accept the gift of the building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. A godly friend is one who builds up and does not tear down. A godly friend is one who builds up and does not tear down. James tells us in chapter 4 of his book, Do not speak evil against one another, brother. The one who speaks against the brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. And then he gets into verse 12. It's very, very interesting. Right? He says, don't speak ill of your brother. Because if you do, you're judging the law. And, you know, if you're judging the law, then you're a judge. Okay? You guys are tracking with me so far? And then he says something really interesting in verse, verse 12 of James chapter 4. He says this. There is only one lawgiver and one judge. He who is able to save and destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbor? So there's this idea that when we use our words to tear down and not build up, we're placing ourselves in a place that only belongs to God. We're judging, right? When we begin to judge, when we begin to tear down, when we begin to think for and we begin to speak that into people's lives, it's not me saying it's James. Let's look at it again. I'll read it to you again. I'll read it to you again. But he says, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against the brothers or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer, but a judge. But there's only one lawgiver and one judge. And then more than anything, I don't want to place myself in a place where God and God should be. He's the only lawgiver. He's the only judge. That should be like the first and foremost thing, right? But sometimes it's not just what we speak, it's an attitude of our heart, it's a position of where we're at. It's internally how we respond. It's, as you mothers know, the proverbial idol from your kids when you say something. And today, when your, your mom or your dad says, Why are you rolling your eyes? You're like, I don't roll my eyes. You will drive, don't lie. We all know you did it. 
more build up. We don't want to tear down. That's what a godly friend does. Nobody wants to be around somebody that just always tears you down, right? That's no fun. Nobody wants to be around somebody that just talks ill of other people all the time. Nobody wants to be around people that speak truth and speak life and, and mercy and grace into other people's lives. That's what it's about. If you're unsure about what it means to, to tear down or, 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 or talk evil or, or even that, I'm just going to give you three things that's really quick. There's not a line for me. You can write on the kids' lunch right down here. This might help you, okay? And listen, it doesn't matter if you're in person or if you're online, these things can apply to you. We have a tendency to say things online that we wouldn't say to a person's face. Like, growing up, if I would have said some of the things I said, I would punch them in the nose. If you're gossiping, you're not building up, you're only tearing down. And if you're not sure what a gossip is, listen, if you're not part of the problem or part of the solution, you're gossiping about it. Don't talk about it. Let me say that again. If you're not part of the problem or part of the solution, you're gossiping. Don't tell who you do. Don't joke about things you shouldn't joke about. It doesn't have to be like really bad or really evil. There's a pastor that I really look up to right now because of church discipline. He's not on the pulpit because he's kept telling jokes and understanding of the week after the church. Not simple. Not sexual in nature. He's telling three jokes. He's in a church discipline right now. And then finally, just ask yourself, is this build up to here? Is what I'm saying is building up to here? Marcus Aurelius said this, you have a right to not have an opinion about this. So you have a right to not have an opinion about this. But if somehow we get that flipped in the middle, like, I have an opinion, I have the right to have an opinion about everything. Yeah, you can have an opinion about everything. You have the right to not share. If you're going to have two ears and one mouth,
And so I came up with I think it was the for the rest of my senior year, we went to the MLS together. And then I did something that a lot of people didn't do. Uh, for, from there, I graduated high school, not just graduated high school, but I'm going to keep going. I graduated high school, and I began to become a young black leader in the high school that I graduated from. So I graduated high school, and then that next September, I went back and started to tell kids that I used to drink and get drunk with the good news of Jesus Christ. It just didn't normally happen. Because I mean, and then it's really hard to do. In three years, after the end of that story, with the kid laying on the floor, cowering and crying and saying, please don't hit me. Three years after that day, I got to put my arm around him and just sat on a bench. And when he got to North Carolina, he got that property and he bowed his head and asked Jesus to come and do his part. And it all happened. Because I thought he was good at his impact. I spoke truth. I was a jerk. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I gave him truth. Jesus is Lord and he loves you. And I walked alongside him for three years. So he made a decision to follow Jesus. What a powerful wonderful, redemptive Lord and Savior that we follow. He has the ability to change your life and change my life. And listen to this. He does it through relationships. He does it in friendship. He does it in the one-on-one. So, Father, we bow our heads and we pray. Would you be glorified in this place today, Jesus? We are so grateful and thankful to be a part of what you're doing in this city and in this community. And as we leave this place, would you give us an opportunity to show the love of Jesus to those that don't know you? And God's people said, Amen. Hey, if you guys feel ready to leave today, uh, just remember next step, five, step two, starts at five o'clock. Uh, that's it. Go and break the peace. Have a wonderful day, guys.